Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast that's right behind the appointment of Pedro Kach... Kach... Whatever his name is. This week on Heart and Hand, Scott, what is his name? Shaikhin. Welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers Podcast, my name is David Edgar, I'm your host and I'm joined this week by Mr Scott Van Der Acker. It's good to be back, hello, hello, etc. And so on and so forth. Now, before we start the podcast, I have to apologise for what you might hear during the podcast. You might hear some, what appears to be snoring and heavy breathing and think, well, why, you know, Mark's not on it. So, it will make a lot of sense. Well, it's because we're joined this week by my little dog, Maya. Um, my other dog Arthur unfortunately at the grand old age of 18 passed away last week and since then Maya is and I do mean this literally sticking to me like glue so the options were I either had her in the studio or she stood at the door of the studio barking trust me this is better yes plus as you say heavy snoring noises by somebody you're in bed with is probably not unusual David no, no, I must admit, uh, but the the kind of heavy breathing, unless I've made them run down the yeah. stairs to get me, you know, an oval team or something. That's true. Probably not so much. So, uh, but I'm sure it's not the only one listening to you and me batter on that falls asleep. No, again, that's a light motif probably for our love making over the years. Not to each other. That'd be abhorrent. No, but that would bring in the heavy breathing. Anyway, where's this going? More than heavy breathing. Uh, It's going to Saturday when, with one of those joyous 3 pm kickoffs, Rangers fans en masse uh, headed off to Ibrox, pardon me, which we sold out. Not to Mass? No, God, no, no. But we uh, sold out as if that's a thing. We always do. You know, who we are. We are the people. But uh, yes, uh, uh, for Pedro Cachinha. There you go. Pedro Cachinha's. Debut match. 
Yes, I was reading on Twitter that apparently the X can be pronounced in up to four different ways. I think, do you know what would be easier? Why doesn't he just come out and say how he wants his name to be yeah. said? The other thing would be we'll pronounce it how we like because we won two wars. That is actually Portugal, neutral, mm. stroke, axis power, yeah. pretty you, much. You know, so, yeah. my, you know my views on this adapting. It's like when people say, oh, have you seen the great drama? It's uh, set in, in Denmark. I'm <laughs> like, just... Stop hearing me, right? I didn't fight in two wars to well at all, but also certainly not to to watch some burgy burgy language uh, on the telly. So either do it in English or so. Folks, so, so from I've now known on, David for about fifteen years, right? And there's two things he's been stalwart about. Many actually, many things, but two things about the arts that he's stalwart on. He doesn't watch black and white. No. Nope. And he doesn't like anything from the abroad. Nope, not from the forum. It's uh, yeah. I, I honestly think it's selling out every one of our British values. If you ever watch any one of these foreign, it's encouraging them. Uh, whereas what they should be doing is learning English and then making their dramas in English. Uh, Although it's in what, fairness, it's what God and nature intended. You always relax those rules for Bongo, though. Well, that's just na- that's love making. That's different. That's natural. I couldn't be expect. I don't want them. Oh. That reminds me. I was probably going to come to this later. And God, this is terrible. For any newcomers I've been told, because we've been doing loads of football lately, and any newcomers to the pod have all been told, oh, it's great, you know, they break down the football tactical analysis and, you know, it's got to be about 15 minutes in before we get to it this week. But I'm not going to name where, but I was contacted this week by a listener who said to me, have you ever heard of the name Scotty McAndrew? Yes, I have. And yes, we have, and we've referenced her on the podcast. For those of you, she is, uh, formerly, was a porn star, a a Scottish one, hence the name, and uh, she was mentioned on the pod many moons ago for the memorable statement when she was indulging in what I believe they refer to as ATM, Scott? I think that's the the words, but not in the sense of getting money out. Uh, I hope she got some money out for this. I mean, I'd, well, yeah. I'd certainly want a few quid. But uh, yeah, she she was partaking in a in a movie whose central fetish tenet was ATM, and there's all these big American guys going, "Yeah, baby, you you love that cup, baby," and she's going, "Oh, I a pure day," and of course came out with the memorable phrase, "Make me taste my ears." And <laughs> yeah, so you do remember Scotty McAndrew? Well, she's now given up the scud and is a soccer mom in Scotland. Right? No. And no, and I'm not going to name locations in case. But this listener uh, was standing with his brother, you know, watching, uh, I think it was his son's football match. And he went, I know her. And then he's like, Where do I know her from? And he, Gee, that's Scotty McAndrew. So. He took a picture and it was. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, if you are taking your son to the football this week, you genuinely could run into a legendary porn star at the side of the pitch. And if you're lucky, you might be able to make her taste her own ears. I don't think you will. See, this is the thing. Um, I've long suspected that porn stars would actually make terrible life partners if, if you wanted them for, for sexual reason. Because, we'll put it this way, my brother-in-law is a mechanic, and see, trying to get the cunt to fix your car on the weekend? Yeah. It's not possible. Because he, quite rightly, says, no, I've, I've been fixing cars all week, the last thing I want to do with my leisure time is fix cars. 
I assume it would be the same for a porn star. A sort of busman's holiday? Yeah, I mean, can you imagine that? It's like, you know, Friday night, she gets home, couple of drinks, and you're like, hey, baby, you know, fancy, you know, tasting your arse. And she's like, I've spent a week tasting my arse. The yes. fucking last thing I want to taste right now is my arse. Yeah, that that's very true. I think perhaps she'd more want to watch a box set. Yeah, she she absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, no, well, anyway, if we can get back to the football, because I think that that's, you know, why... Well, actually, you know what? These new listeners are fucked off and the regulars do prefer this shite, so uh, maybe we can continue on this. But no, the reason for the hilarity is Scott and I are in a continued good mood after Rangers continued what has to be... Not has to be, is now absolutely uh, our best run of form of the season. Lovely to see after, uh, obviously, such a slow start. But uh, we spanked Hamilton 4-0. A game that Rangers dominated from start to finish, it's no exaggeration, got the goals at the right time because just as you know the, the really good start was needing that goal, it came. Then the second one arrived just before half time, and then the third one, 55 minutes, and then you know. The only regret I think anyone could have from Saturday is that it stopped at four. Well, I think there's a couple of things that need to be said. First, Hamilton Ackies, right? Mm-hmm. Scotty McAndrews. Sun's team could probably beat them. Well, right? very possibly, but we beat ourselves up all season after we have failed to deliver to the, yes, against yep. absolute crud. So yes. I think we are entitled, I don't think we're being hypocritical, to then say, no, you know what, I'm going to enjoy this. Because exactly. we, we did beat ourselves up. It's not like we went, ah, well, you know... It, it, we didn't write it off. We said they're rubbish, we should be beating them. And now they're, they're still rubbish, but we did. And not only did we beat them, it was like an old-school routine victory, Scott. It, it was. was but, but a, a, a small team came and got slayed. No bother. The team did exactly what they want. That's, that's to me, what, what was most encouraging. Well, I think what, what I think also came out for me, though, is, is Pedro must go. Why? Because we beat them 6-0 under Murty. And I think getting rid of Graham Murty and replacing him with Pedro is, good, is a colossal mistake. And I would, you can see in the two weeks since, um, the return is just poorer than it was before. I would just it's like just, people to bookmark this moment um, 10 minutes into this pod on this date. Just for the simple fact, in two years, whenever, when it comes to you know the inevitable we need to fire the manager chat, Scott was in there first. Thanks. You see, that was actually partly humour, but also partly football trendiness. Mm. I want to sack the manager the first week of him getting the job. I've never known you not to want a manager to get sacked, to be honest. It it's saves a time. Novel, uh-huh. It saves time. It's, it's a oh. novel approach. I've known you 20 years and I've never known you to, to not want the manager sacked. It's... Ironically, I didn't want Paul Le Guin sacked and he was shit. Ah, that's true. So maybe what we should, for, for Pedro to keep his job in the eyes of you, he should just be rubbish but urbane. Yes, you see, I want Pedro to be sacked. Brackets that probably means it'll be really good. All right, okay, no, I get your point. Um, but uh, the, the game itself, uh, as I say, I thought that things that were noticeably different. The formation for a start, I thought we played what looked more like a very fluid four-two-three-one. Pedro yeah. said before the match that he was going to that they, there wouldn't be a significant amount of team changes in the weren't. It was Lee Hodgson dropped out, Tavernier went back to right back, and um, and came John Terrell. And it, it was a four two three one. There was also uh, at times a diamond, uh, a four four two with Terrell at the base of the diamond, Holt and Heinemann in midfield, Mackay just off the strikers. But what was very noticeable about the the formation is that it was never a four three three. 
No, we've been talking for years on this pod, and it started with some of the younger players. And some of the players, you get, I mean, some teams you get a midfield player with a really sweet foot, but maybe they're not as physical. And we, we, I mean, we've obviously watched a lot of European football, and a lot of teams put a playmaker as part of the four-two-three-one, as part of the two. And they actually, it's almost like an American football style playmaker, like a quarterback. And I, I think Toral there was actually, it worked really well. Because um, you can read the play, break up the play, but you can also pass the ball when we get it back. Mm. Uh, and I think that's something that we've talked about for years. 4 2 3 1 does not need to be two screening midfielders, both defensive types. Mm. You can easily have someone who's got a range, especially long passing, mm. um, to open teams up. And Pirlo, of course, was the best in the. In the world at that when it, went to, say, when it went to the four two three one, I should say it was Holt who would drop in to be the other one and mm-hmm. Heinemann would would move forward because Heinemann's quite a creative player and I think there's room for that kind of tactical I mean Heinemann seems to be very good in the edge of the box and in the box and Terrell's maybe more long range passing and Terrell's not got a lot of pace so asking him to back up the strikers might not be the best idea but asking him to break up play intercept and keep the ball moving well that could be perfect and not keeping Mackay stuck to his wing is also something that we should try. And we did, we tried it a bit, mm. him off the strikers. He's a good, clever player, and I'm not saying he's a natural number 10, but it's something we should certainly experiment with. I think um, it's not that we have a lot of, of options. I mean, what what would tend to happen with a 4-2-3-1, as I say, would be Holt would drop in and to make the two, and then it would be Miller would, would drop a little bit back, uh, and you'd have uh, Miller, Heinemann, Mackay, um, but then, as I say, when it was a four-four-two, it would be then Mackay who went to the head of the diamond. So players were asked to to be flexible, which they're capable of. I think. I mean, quite clearly. So, I mean, to play in a couple of mildly different positions. I think professional yeah. football to move ten yards <laughs> yeah. back. So yeah, yeah. You're, you're playing wide just now. Move in a bit. I think they're capable of that. But um, it was fluid, and they changed it around, and it kept Hamilton in the back foot. Now you're absolutely right. Hamilton were, I think, clearly. They're not a good side, and they had just taken a scudding off us and were keen to avoid another scudding, which they didn't actually. That's another thing to be. Honest. But that meant that they played a packed defence. And um, my God, have we struggled all season against packed defences at Ibrox? And we really, really didn't. Um, we made chances. We were energetic. People asked if there was any significant difference. It's a lot to ask in a week, and you know, had we been poor, we wouldn't be blaming the manager. So. I accept that this is possibly us reading a little too much into it. But watching from the stands, I felt there was a bit more aggression. There was certainly yeah. there was certainly more urgency. There was less sterile possession. Uh, by that, what, what I mean with the ball being held in either the, the sort of second quarter of the field in our half or... You know, in the centre circle or being passed among defenders, that that was was much reduced. Possibly because more trust was placed in the likes of Terrell and Heidman to, as you say, build the play. But I felt that the the team were quicker into challenges, quicker. Certainly, the pressing was was much higher to try and win the ball back. And there was a wonderful stat that Hamilton touched the ball five times in our box on the match on Saturday. Now, obviously, a terrible reflection on them, but. I think a reflection on the way Rangers attacked the match and decided, you know, this is going to be something that we're going to try and, and get this game won, as opposed to our first order of business being get control of the football and get lots of possession. It was get control of the football in certain areas and get it moving. I think, following on from that, there was two two things which Graham Murty started. 
and we've talked about it as well for the last couple of weeks. One is set pieces are a lot better, a lot more dangerous. We look like we might score from them. And yet, at the other end, we don't look like we're going to concede every time a team gets a corner. I would say we're still at the sort of maybe every second time, but I know I'll take your point. Yeah, it's, yeah it takes time, but we're, it looks as if we're working on them. Yeah, that, yeah, it does. And secondly, I think what Marty started is, and I think you hit it the nail on the head there with uh, Hindman, especially. I think, unlike under the previous regime, some of the players have been told that they can make a mistake. Get the ball forward. If you see a pass, if you see somebody inside the fullback, just try it. And it's not always coming off, and we're not Barcelona yet. But you can tell that, I think under the last regime, there was positions to be held, places to stay. He didn't move beyond this area or that area. Heinemann especially is a great example. He will get the ball and flick the ball over, 20-yard pass over the defence. It might not get there, but he's doing these first-time instinctive, first-time balls. And I think... Um, is it relaxing the players, David? Is it that? Is it the pressure trying to be off? But Graham Murphy started it. I know it's Pedro definitely did it. Is get that ball forward fast. If the move breaks down and you see the team struggling to re- regroup, get the ball passed to them. Spot the early runs. And that's something that just didn't happen. I think under the old regime, there was a lot of fear about giving the ball away mm. and making a mistake. And we seem to be a little bit more taking chances in the last third, which you have to with packed defences, which is what you get in the SPL. Teams are not going to oblige us by opening up. So if we get them unsettled, we have to try and get that killer ball. And that's something I've, I've liked uh, the last three or four weeks, actually. Um, on the Graham Marty thing, I thought it was a, a lovely, a really, really great gesture. The Union Bears unfurled a banner welcoming Pedro to Ibrox, but they also unfurled a banner thanking Graham Marty for his efforts. And I thought that that was, that was tremendous. So massive hat we, tip to the Union Bears. We, we've talked that. about this. The last caretaker manager we had basically started crying in the interviews, didn't he? Yeah, I don't want to be here. Yeah, Graham Murphy didn't want to be here either. He made that clear. But what he did was stand up like a man mm. and take Turn the job. And see, yeah, what can I get from this? What can I do for the club? What can I do for myself, my own reputation? How can I actually take this situation that I don't particularly want to be in and run with it and didn't just break down in a blubbering mess? And I think it speaks volumes for the guy himself and for the club that he was able to make it work for four weeks in a job that he didn't want either. Um, but he put other things above what he wanted, yeah. and yeah, absolute credit to him. Yeah, I think so. And uh, uh, he was there. He, he tweeted afterwards how touched he was. But you saw him on the bench on, on Saturday celebrating the goals. You know, so great to see. And uh, I, I totally agree. I just think that there was a guy who, especially after the two early defeats, you know, could just have been like, I, I desperately want it here. But instead, he energised the side and, and delivered. Certainly started our best run of the season and now there is a little bit of confidence returning to the team and the way the fixtures have worked out have been, have been decent for us our next fixture yeah. after the international break is a home fixture another three o'clock kick-off and I mean that's that's fabulous it lets us build the momentum the manager was really excited you could tell because what he said was he said well, you know we've had one week to try and as he put it to encourage new behaviours and in the next like two weeks, you and you saw some of them today. You'll see more of them after we've had two weeks with the players. And of, of course, that's true. I mean, having having three solid weeks to work with the players. I mean, I I would have accepted that Saturday was a game to get three points and get out of the way, if you know what I mean. Um, because it came in the middle of this yep. period where the manager is is going to try and get his his message across. But uh, early thoughts then. I mean, there's. It's kind of like looking at a league table after the first game of the season. But, you know, early thoughts on Pedro? I mean, apart from the fact that he's got a name that, that cost yeah. you your dignity on, on Twitter. I'd like to say we did a poll, Scott, on Twitter 
over who had mangled right. Pe- who had mangled Pedro's name worse last week, you or I. Now I had called him Kashina. Okay? You mm-hmm. had called him many things and we don't actually have time in the pod to list all the variations of his name that that you had come up with. But the one that really seemed to strike yeah. a chord with the listeners and the one that got tweeted the most was your Kachino one. Um, now yes. I think that we've agreed that the pronunciation is in fact Kashinya. But I did a well, yeah. policy who had yeah. who had been the most cack handed. Uh that noise here by the way is just Maya has just jumped up looking for attention, so highly professional podcast. You're currently playing second figure folks to my dog. But uh yes twenty six percent of people yeah. said that I had done so. Um Right. More I know what the result. Is. I know. I know. And seventy-four percent. Well, of course you should know what the fucking result is if I told you twenty-six percent and two options. I might have gone to a Catholic school. Well, seventy-four percent said. Well, actually, you might have. You know what? Because you went to the fucking scouts. More and more's hmm. coming out about you. That's leaving you like just overwhelmingly untrustworthy. Well, what can I say? But seventy-four um, percent went for the Euromongo option. Shit, we can't what? say that. Well, that seems fair That's enough. you um, again, see? I've eradicated that sort of language from yeah. my... Right, I'm a Scott Brown. Yeah, yeah, right, I okay, yeah, I'm a Scott Brown. So, 74... Per- apologies to anyone who's offended the, by the you. Cause, yeah, cause, no! No, well, yes, sorry, no. But no. Yeah, no, but yeah, we are sorry, but yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. We didn't mean it. No. And uh, we, we do apologise. But yes, 76... 74% to 26 said, Scott, you're a twat. But in many ways, that means I win. How? I get more than you. Well, uh, if that, that is true. You do. I get 74 of the things, the percentages. That is true. Get, in, and you only get 20, yeah, see? In the, you know, who is a complete nut or bell end, you did get more. Um, I was a bit surprised that you had 26%, to be honest. But then I remember we live in a world where people watch Mrs. Brown's Boys. That's very true. And seem to enjoy it. Well, I, I, I don't as, know. As, Why would they? As much as you, you can enjoy anything when your IQ is in double digits. But back to the game. Uh, back to the game, right? My uh, early impressions. Sorry, we sidetracked again. Early, yes, exactly. This is your fault. You distracted me. If we were at school and not the one you went to, clearly, like a proper school like I went to, um, the teacher would have split us up because you distract me. Well, I tell you, my school bus, the windows were immaculate. I can imagine. Um, and, right, early impressions are. I'm quietly confident that Pedro's going to weed out a bit of the, as you say, fanning about passing the ball sideways, and then afterwards claiming that we'd 75% possession after getting beat 1-0 by Motherwell or something. Yeah. I'm hoping that those days are gone. As I say, I'm hoping that he keeps working on the fast ball to try and unsettle the, the defence, get it forward a bit quicker. Tactical variation, don't play the same way every week. Catch teams, surprise teams. Um, maybe work in set pieces, and as you say, press a bit higher. We've talked to this about seven years in the spot or whatever Scottish teams aren't very good the defenders especially aren't very technical if you harass them they're going to lump it and give you the ball back mm-hmm. so why not try it and third the other thing I, I had to, and I know we're going to come on to this anyway but Rangers apparently are looking for a, a part of the management team who's a link somebody who knows the club is local isn't Portuguese and can sort of um, keep Pedro posted with what the fans might want so what the jungle drums are saying Mike Graham Murty be that man 
And, I mean, they seem to have someone in... I know he's a good under-20 coach and See, he's doing good work there. That's my but, argument. I would argue that the under-20 job is more important to us than, you know, that role. Assistant manager, maybe, no. But that role, which is going to be liaison and uh, local knowledge and putting the cones out, I think Graham Murray could do us more of a turn for a long-term future with the under-20s. If he's, yeah, if he's yeah. confident he can turn out guys who are going to be first teamers from that, I think it would be a little bit of a waste of his talents. If, however, he was interested in the job, then yes, we made uh, I think a pretty a pretty solid case. I think the listeners agreed last week for Neil McCann to do that job. But if he doesn't want it, and Graham Marty did, I actually agree totally. I think if Graham Marty wants the job, I think it should be all bets are off. I think he earned that um, uh, yep. because you know. To be thrown into that, there's a guy who clearly is intelligent, uh, can has good man management skills, and doesn't shrink under pressure. I think we learned that in in his period. Oh. So I would have no problem with that. I just feel at the moment, given where we are as a club and what we have to be as a club going forward, if Graham Marty can confidently say, Do "You know what? I reckon I can produce two, three first teamers for you guys every two seasons." Then that's where I would leave him, and that's that's more important, job. yeah. But but as I say, if, but, he, if he wanted the job, I'd have no problem. You mentioned so something there. Before some of the names, yeah, right, right. Before we come to the local knowledge thing, yeah, because there are names in the frame. Um, something you said there, I thought was really interesting, which was about he won't do the same thing every week. And I think that's important because Saturday was a good case in point. I thought James Tavernier did a great game going forward. There were several. Uh, fantastic runs he made he was at the heart of a lot of good stuff I thought he was terrific in that half almost scored um, with a terrific free kick no worries at all about, about that but defensively had a couple of lapses got away with him now in a game like that and against Motherwell at home or Partick at home or Dundee at home or Kilmarnock at home or whoever where a team is going to sit in and say on you go then James Tavernier would be for me among the first names on the team sheet at right back. Yeah. Where are we going to Tynecastle or Petodre or Mordor? Then I would maybe go, do you know what? We're not going to have to make the play as much. We are going to have to defend more. They're going to come out a bit against us. I'm going to play a more defensively minded player in Hodson in there mm-hmm. or whoever comes in in the summer. Potentially you'd put Tavernier in front of him, but... Mm-hmm. I think that that would would be an example of a mindset that has to kind of alter per game, which was something Warburton never got his head round. It's also a question of Pedro wants to build, OK? And I think he knows he's not got Hindman or Toral next season. But obviously what's really good for Pedro is he can try all these formations and he can see what works, as you say, against what opposition. Because he's not just weighing up Rangers and the squad, he's weighing up the league we play in. And I think that will also determine his recruitment. Like, he might try a 4-2-3-1, a 4-4-2 with a diamond. But as you see, he'll also be saying, how does that affect the teams we play? How do results go? What unsettles these teams with packed defences? How good are they technically? And I think it will also help him to actually find out who he's after in the summer. Which is, because uh, you can't just, I mean, Warburton sort of collected players, it seemed at times, randomly. But I think Pedro's going to have to target the kind of players he can fit into a system that might do some damage to the opposition. And that's why also trying different formations is going to be really important as well. What sticks, what works, what doesn't work, what don't we need, what do we have? 
And uh, I think it'll all go towards... Um, I think it'll go towards his recruitment in the summer. Yeah, as we said on here uh, earlier, on, we know there's going to be mass turnovers of player uh, turnover of players in the summer, and I think we understand that. But we did suggest on here that maybe when a new manager comes in, there's pretty much always uh, a case of two or three players that you think were surplus to requirements begin to play better than they had previously and, and are retained when you maybe wouldn't have thought that they would be. And I thought on Saturday, for example, Jason Holt it kind of illustrated that point where he had narrowed what Jason Holt had to do. You know, and instead of Holt being one of these three midfielders who pretty much had to do everything, um, I thought he'd narrowed the parameters of what Jason Holt had to do where he was given a much more specific job, which entailed less but allowed them to do more. And yeah. that's the kind of thing I'm quite excited about, where there are players that perhaps we might have written off, but we've long long said, as fans and on the pod and on message boards, etc., we've all discussed how Warburton's biggest failing was that he was asking people to do something they couldn't do. And I wonder what it might be like for some of these players if we have a manager who asks them to do things they can do, and only that, and say to them, I know you can't do X, I'll figure that out. You know, I'll work something out in the, the system and the team around that. You just do this, right? So in Hope's case, it was like, you've got wonderful energy right in the midfield. I want you to go and close people down in this area of the field constantly, get the ball and recycle it. And that was all he did on Saturday. But he did it terrifically. So Waghorn, Waghorn has come out. Now, he's not. he wouldn't criticise Warburton. But Waghorn's already come out and said... If you play me up front, I'll score. And if you don't make me sort of hug the touchline as a winger, I'll be more effective. This, you know, and training's great under Pedro. Now, I think he can probably be between the lines there as well, yeah. And you're right, some of the players that we had playing wide simply weren't wingers. They weren't wide attackers. Well, I think and if I you think... look at Forrest with his lack of pace, he's never, ever going to be able to play as a, as a wide yeah. attacker. He's, he's just not quick enough. No, um, and a lot of them were just a bit like, sort of, you know, I'm stranded. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of them yes, seem to be if you ask if you ask a striker to play up front then we can judge them if you say to a striker right, you're sort of a right winger now mm. it's, it's always hard to know especially when they're left footed and they have to do that cutting thing it's hard to judge how well they're doing or otherwise mm. um, and I, yeah Pedro maybe trying out his strikers but up front yeah, <laughs> yeah just, bit, it, who knows it is. it's just things like that it's like I think the way that Warburton wanted to play exposed a lot of players because it put their failings, it put the things that they couldn't do very, very much on display. And it's easy to then forget about the things that they can do. Whereas I think if a manager comes in, you know, that touch more practical and his feeling is, okay, you're not great at this, so I'm not going to ask you to do this. However, you're good at that. So I would like you to do that and I'll work out, if you like, a sort of do-over to cover the thing that you're not good at. Great uh, examples though, Halloran. Now, what are you going to say? No, I'm just going to say we'd no central strikers who headed the ball much. We don't score many headers, right? Mm-hmm. So we bought a winger, but then said we've got to join in the play. Now, he, his technical expertise is up there with your, yours and mine. Mm. Well, Halloran, he's not a technical player, he's not a good footballer, but he's a speed merchant who gets round and knocks crosses in. But we didn't have a striker. So it's that kind of madness that I'm hoping Pedro puts an end to. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, we've got a fast-paced winger. Oh, we don't play any target men. Nobody can head the ball. All right. What are we going to do? Oh, put him in the bench and pay him 
eight grand a week without ever playing him. I'd like to point but, out, Scott, that um, there's a fantastic photograph of Michael O'Halloran uh, giving it big licks after Clint's goal at uh, the Piggery. It's only because he had money on us for a draw. Well, even that would be a good sign. <laughs> it's a good sign, I know. No, it's fine. I'm just saying that kind of nonsensical signing whereby we don't play like that. Mm. We don't have anyone that can dovetail with you and we're never going to ever adopt those tactics. Just end that. If Pedro ends the nonsense. Um, as you say, Jason Holt, Jason Holt was lost in a 4-3-3 um, to an extent. And just, uh, at a higher level. I thought he was good. At a higher season. level. Yeah, and just get players playing where they, where they can do things they can do. Mm. And uh, that's all we ask for is just organisation about shape and trying to break teams down. The onus is in Rangers. We've sold out I think, our last six league games at home, which is unbelievable, going back to about November. Mm. We've got huge support. We'll and make, we it, we'll make see, it seven before the night, we'll, I guarantee it. I guarantee it, we sold out. It's a Saturday. Yep. Those fans just want to see us trying to break our team down. Uh, all out for victory. And, and that's, I think if Pedro already, and, and Graham Murphy started it, they look much keener on scoring goals than in keeping the ball and passing it sideways. And that's all anybody can ask for. They say that you can do, you can tell a lot from animals, and that's why they do animal testing, right? Which obviously I'm not in favour of as an animal lover, but you can read into a lot of things that will, how humans will react to stuff. Now, Scott, my little dog, who mm-hmm. hasn't left my side for a week, mm-hmm. got up when you were talking there and left the room. She's a female dog. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? The similarities between the animal kingdom and human. That a lady hears you talking and gets up and leaves the room. Well, partially, because of course in real life it's usually male and female mm. who leave the room when I'm talking. So it's no, only, only half right. I, just, I think that's great because I was wondering, you know, she's been very clingy um, since, since Arthur went. And thank you because, you know, you've given her the impetus to want to go and be independent and lie somewhere else in the house. Scott, boring the arse off people since edition one of Heart and Hand. Now, there is some talk, it's paper talk, and as we all know, that, uh, let's be honest, it's uh, often rubbish, that Nottingham Forest are going to come back in for... uh, Certain Rangers players, one of them mentioned actually was Waghorn, and I think that strikes me as a bit odd, given what Waghorn has said about, um, about well, backhandedly said about Warburton since he left. Yeah. Um, but there's also talk for Rob Kiernan, who I believe it's a contractual obligation for Mark Warburton to sign him at every club he goes to, or at least attempt to. That's fine. Uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, do you think that the best in the business will decide to do something crazy and go and watch? Other players, or will he just do his usual and open up the book of players that he's he's previously uh, worked with and, and bring them in? In which, in which case, should we be going, oh good, we've got a chance to dump some of this? Yes, I think, to be honest, without getting sued, and you can keep me, our lawyer's in the line at the moment, isn't he, David? Our, our top lawyer's there. Mm. I think the system which is operated by Mrs Warburton Weir and the best in the business will certainly not be coming to an end. The system will not be, be ceasing simply because of the change of postcode. And the many reasons why that system is in place will need to be facilitated in the future, thus necessitating a use of certain players. Beautiful. Absolutely Phew. beautiful, yes. No, uh, I, I agree. I would be I would be stunned 
if at least one of our players... I mean, obviously they should have a bit more money, which might mean that they can go for ex-Watford and Brentford players yeah. who you know cost a bit more. But um, I do think one or two will be on the radar. There was talk that he's a target waghorn for Forrest, Derby and uh, Sunderland. And I think if we got a reasonable amount, I can't really see it. While I like certain players at the club, I can't see any of them who I would consider unsellable. No, um, he's a Sunderland fan, isn't he? Yeah, I think Did he started so, out there, didn't he? Yeah, so I think that's... If they come in, I'm pretty certain he would go. Also, without being unkind, I think they'll be in the Championship next season. Yeah, I think that's which, fairly certain. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which makes it a bit more realistic. Um, there's none of them... Are, I think the only thing for me would be the price. I, I don't want to shaft Warburton and Weir... But, but then, but then in another way, yeah. I, re- I really do. Yeah. So, I, don't, uh, I, don't, I, I wouldn't make them, you know, I don't think anyone at Rangers would price them out of the market, but nor do I want us to go, okay, you can have them for like 200 grand. Yeah, they're not fabulous players, but you'd be looking at a couple of mil. I think, that's what I mean, I would like to see us getting fair market value for them. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, there's none of them are particularly standing in the way of their um, him career development, uh, such as it is. No, that, but maybe Barry McKay. I don't know, right. Maybe, we, no, I, let's, Right, okay, now, I think we, I, ha- we haven't got all night. Right? I, I know, I, I think... I want to talk, yeah, we need to talk about it. Maybe a different pod. The, the Barry McKay conundrum, can it be sorted in a minute? Yeah, I think we've raved about Barry... I've raved about Barry McKay more consistently than you, right, as you know. Um, yes. You, you had doubts at the start of last season, but I think one thing that we can all agree is that he has fantastic ability... Technically, he's top player in Scotland, yes. He's just astonishing. Like, I've seen him do things, as you say, naturally that other people can't do it. But, you know, a ball's fired at him from distance and he kills it instantly. It's not ability with Barry Mackay. I perhaps question at times his desire. I think there are matches that he should be dominating that he doesn't. And then I have to balance it with his age and... The, the tumult that's surrounded him and his time at Rangers and everything that's been going on it's an odd one I wouldn't be but then again if he's he's only got a year on his deal this summer so if he doesn't sign a new deal we have to sell him it's the same ah, he's off that. anyway so, yeah. Yeah, it, and it, then the discussion becomes moot so I'll, I'll offer one defence for Baz before we move on okay and that is the Loudrop as it's known so many times in Europe Loudrop was marked by about three players, okay? Mm. And in Brian's mind, of course, that meant there's space everywhere else. Yeah, our thick players would pass the ball to him anyway. Yeah. And I wonder sometimes if Barry McKay, especially Oh, I think that's a fair point, yeah. yeah, Sometimes you see him, three guys round him, and he still, you know, the ball gets fired to him, he loses it, and the fans are up in arms at him. I think that's a really fair point. I think maybe a better quality of player or better tactics, or maybe Pedro can get to grips with this. If he's getting marked out of game, the likes of Hindman or perhaps Miller a bit deeper, there should be an avenue to get the ball to different players who aren't treble or double marked. And maybe with a better system around that, we'll stop giving the ball to him anyway. And that's I do find it unfair sometimes. He gets physical, tough treatment, and people still just keep passing him the ball. And if we stop, that's, to me, is passing the buck when you pass him the ball when he's marked. And let's see what happens when other players take their turn on the ball creatively. Yeah, but I, as you I, say, I it's, it's a moot point, but as you say, if he doesn't, the rumours are he's not going to sign an extension. That's the rumour. Then he'll be off anyway, and it makes no difference what we say because the club will never let him leave in a Bosman. No, and shouldn't. 
no one should either. would be correct not to. Um, the local manager, the name at the time of recording, it's Tuesday night, so you know something could have happened by the time you come to listen to this. So we'll keep this brief. But the name mentioned uh, a lot at the moment is Barry Ferguson for that number three role. Uh, oh. Scott, I think I know your feelings on that, but uh, would you care to share them with the listeners? Well, no, I'll, I'll be polite, OK? I, I'm not a huge Barry Ferguson fan, but I'll, I'll try and be a bit... I'll, I can see both sides. He's got coaching badges. He played for Rangers for years. His brother played for Rangers, and he's got huge connections to the club. On the other hand, there's two things against it. Number one... Even on, you and I were talking actually this morning on the Facebook. But did you notice every thread were he's divisive? There's not a single thread I saw on Facebook or Twitter where anybody could come to any agreement whether he was a traitorous fanny or a legend. Mm. I, I just think there's always this thing with Barry Ferguson. There's no unanimity behind that appointment. That, that he's controversial, and, and it, it, already this morning people were arguing with each other on social media, and I, I, I don't know if that's a good start. And secondly, there are rumours and counter-rumours, and who knows the truth, but, but allegedly that he leaks like a sieve to the press, and that is probably the last thing we need the situation we're in now, the forces against us in this country, in the league, the, the press's joy, utter joy, at every point we drop. I think circling the wagons is what we need more than actually people starting to give exclusives off the record, and I worry about that aspect. If it's true, I don't think we need... Anyone dropping tidbits from behind the scenes? That the, that's my top and swap. The key thing I see, I, I'm a, it's a tough one for me. I absolutely adored Barry Ferguson, the player. Uh, the only transfer window I can remember in years where I actually stayed up watching it was the one where he was rumored to be coming back, and it was it was done late on the transfer window, and I was desperate for it to happen. Um, I don't have anything against him for going to Blackburn. I know other people do. The timing sucked, but I do understand why he went. And also, a thing that people forget at the time was that if any player expressed an interest at that time in maybe moving and they had a value, it was almost suggested to them by the people who ran the club that it was, you know, it was like a calling for the ministry. You know, they just, oh, yeah, hand the shoulder and. You know they 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 had booked your taxi sort of thing. So I think people need to remember that it's the behaviour the second time round. And yes, if you have someone who isn't the manager's choice and is so you know it's not because the manager likes him or is friendly with him or has worked with him, but it's someone to come in and work with the manager, which I'm not against, as I've said before. But if you then have these two who maybe clash, and one has a relationship with the press, as you say. And he does, right? It's not unfair to suggest that he does. Barry has a number of contacts in the Scottish media and is considered a contact by a number in the Scottish media. Would that then put us in a position where stories go out to try and spin certain parties in one light and certain parties in another? Now, given the fact that that's the case... It also means that even if it did happen and it wasn't him, there would be suspicion it was. Yes, that's the thing. People, see if Pedro wasn't going well and there was disturbances behind the scenes, people would put two and two together. And and that's not, as I'm saying, is that the best start? Is that the best framework to come in? For what's especially the role of a gonk? 
Um, do we need somebody maybe more unanimous? Like, I heard the name Nacho Novo mentioned, mm. and I don't know his coaching qualifications, but it certainly would be a lot more unanimously welcomed and approved of. I think it'd be less controversial. Yeah, uh, and I can understand that. Time will tell. As I say, by tomorrow, someone could have been appointed. It could be Barry. It could be somebody totally different, but I'm sure we will come back to that in the future. Scott, um, it's international week. Is it? Yes. Now, as you know, playing? Uh, they could be. They, yeah. they most certainly could be. And, and I, for one, 50-50 chance. would welcome such a thing. Yeah, it'd be a great game, wouldn't it, that one? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I would be looking forward to. Um, but I did know that the SFA have said that they don't think that Hamden is fit for purpose. I think it was Ralph Topping actually said that, as the chairman of the SPFL. Um, but they're all, you know, they're all like puppets on different fingers of the same hand anyway. So what that means is, you know, we're not happy with Amden and the leash runs out and they might be going somewhere else. And he mentioned possible alternative venues as being Ibrox, Murrayfield and Celtic Park. I think we know where this is going, don't we? Now, genuinely, listeners, we, we're going to have a competition with the question, which venue do you think would end up becoming the de facto national stadium should Hamden close? But we can't be bothered going through so many correct entries. Mm, exactly. I'm not giving away a prize for that, for Christ's sake. No. You know, it would, uh, be, it would be like at your school when everybody was a winner. You know, I'm not, we're, we're not doing that. David, we were all special. We I were know, told I that. Never, never disagreed with that for one second, mate. But uh, yeah, it would, it would be a bit like that. Yes, I think we know where this is going, folks, don't we? Yes. Yes. So uh, uh, I wonder how much the rent will be that Celtic Peter will charge SFA Peter. Uh, but I'm sure it'd be equitable and probably the going rate, probably <laughs> the market rate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe it. Funny, the first thing I was sitting with my dad a couple of weeks ago when it was first mooted, the Hamden wasn't fit for purpose and had to. And the first thing we both said was Fucking Celtic Park. Celtic just Park, yeah, yeah. Instantly, yeah. Cup yeah. finals, Scotland yeah. games. You know what? It's it's bound to be, isn't it? Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, it, it is what it is, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, I, I think we can see where this one is going. Uh, I don't think you need to be particularly... Um, as you say, that conversation was you, your dad, and Helen Keller, and she knew yes. what, what was happening. So I think that, that that kind of puts it into perspective. Scott, we've actually... I thought we would struggle this week, um, but we haven't for time. Uh, a lot of that is due to us talking pish, but I think the listeners are used to that by now. But uh, just to, to wrap us up then... Why wouldn't you give us a good old couple of them Sporting Integrity Awards? Do you know what I think I will? I'll, I'll leave the people going into International Week in the big game featuring the, the thing. With the stuff. I will say this on March message board. Um, yeah. Again, the, the Sporting Integrity Award is a bit like the Barry Ferguson um, of sections on Heart and Hand. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I would agree that it's divisive because some people... Love it, and some people really love it. Almost. You're half right. Some people really do. No, some people genuinely love it, and some people genuinely really, really don't like it. Now, my view on it has always been thus. I think that it keeps you happy. It does. And I think that's nice. And I... I got got awfully excited about it. You got awfully excited about it. And the other thing about it is... 
is that last week we had a new manager and an old firm game, right? The week before that, the whole new manager speculation, results, everything that was going on, the director of football being appointed or not appointed or whatever. Um, before that, we had all the Warburton shenanigans, right? Those weeks fill themselves. Like an incontinence trousers. Very much so, yes. Now, on a week like this, <laughs> we've beat Hamilton for now. Yes. Right? And we always be we always be Hamilton for now. We may need a sporting integrity award section. I'm just saying. So to the listeners that really hate it, um, I I see where you're coming from. However, I think that we're, you're going to have to accept that it's the squad player of Heart and Hand. It is. It can fill a variety of roles. Equally it's the badly. Andy Halliday of Heart and Hand. It is. Also, can also say. And David was too polite to mention this, of course, but he works hard as the anchor of the pod, doesn't he? Mm. And I know for a fact that he likes using this time to open a can of Pepsi yes. and move <laughs> for a for slash or something, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that can never be under- understated. Well, it's a, a long minutes. time to sit and just talk. I mean, we're old men, we're old men now. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man, talk about it. up and down. See through the night for a piss. Yeah. Uh. It's all up. You see, honestly, it's the amount of uh, Pepsi Max you drink. I've switched recently to uh, Cherry Aid. Still, it's going to go right through you, mate. It does go right through me. Yeah, I've got but, um, still, ugh, you know, it's your toilet, your house. No, it still reminds me though. One time, I was bemoaning the amount of uh, Pepsi I was drinking to to an old guy who'd helped me give up the drink, mm-hmm. and I said, uh, I, "I filled the fridge with cans of Diet Pepsi because you know when I was trying to stop drinking." so used to you know having a can in my hand kind of thing so I'm going but I say I'm drinking litres of this stuff and he said uh, you ever belted the wife after a diet Pepsi binge I said no he said we'll just keep drinking it then yes it does less damage doesn't it absolutely it's safer right what I'm going to do of course is I'm going to start I'm going to go to South America okay Mm -hmm. it's a safe place to go a couple of cheery stories about our South American cousins okay um, first of all, Chile, and it's a nice name for a club actually. The club are called Santiago Good Morning. Oh, ah, that's nice. In English. Yes. Oh, are you okay? And their coach Hernan Godoy was asked for his assessment of what he called the bastard officials. Okay. Um, so, and this is what he said: Have some sympathy. If you mashed all those four officials together in a pot, you still wouldn't get one good one out of them. It's not just robbery. It's shit robbery. That's the worst pre- type of robbery. Yes. Are you pressed? You see nothing. You don't rock the boat. You don't want water to go over the side. You won't get your arses wet. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was banned for this outburst, okay? Seems hard. But then he said, so the second press conference was asking me about getting banned for this. He said, I regret my words, but not their essence or what I meant by them. Right, <laughs> not really his words. <laughs> and then he ended it with, apparently stood up and said, I'm a man, I'll die with my boots on. I like that. He sounds like my type. If Pedro doesn't he's work cool. out, if he's got any Scottish knowledge, I think we should consider him for the number yes. three. And then Godoy, mm. lovely. And even crazier though, Argentina's under-20 coach is a gentleman called Gerardo Salorio. Mm-hmm. Okay? He's 57 years old, right? But the team were training and some local youths were casting aspersions on his work. So he tried to climb the fence to fight them. Love it. <laughs> Love it. And he got suspended. And, and again, in his defence, 
people call me old. People call me an old drunk. People say I was drunk at the time. But look, I just climbed that fence to look for the haters. I've said a thousand stories, but God, I'm like Jesus. Everyone's at me. Everyone's at me for no reason, persecuting me. I just wanted to sort out those people at the side, and it wasn't people. He said. I think it's always yeah. nice when people can compare themselves to the Son of God uh, yeah. as a way of getting themselves off the hook for something. Yes, but so there you go. Fifty-seven-year-old tried to climb a perimeter fence to fight the local Neds who are who are abusing them. We've all been there. We've all been there. We've all been there. I have one. Excellent super. Yeah. Um, it's our old friend Tim Sherwood. Yay! Uh, Tim Tim Sherwood. The, the Londonest uh, London guy ever. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> well, funny well, I should say that. Funny yeah. you should say that, yes. Okay, yeah. um, I, I'm going to do one of my tried and tested accents here, folks. Um, uh, again, a bit. This, is, it, is it Harry Redknapp? Uh, it might well go into a little bit of Harry Redknapp but if you can just imagine it as being tactics Tim right as he's referred to by the Guardian and uh, this comes courtesy of the Guardian the story but it's in all the papers but that was where I saw it because I'm a bleeding heart left wing liberal as you know Scott Um, he has received a two match stadium ban um, after abusing referee Mark Brown now he's now the technical director of Swindon Town not the manager um, the technical Poor old Swindon Well you know Who knows Who knows, who knows? Um, He uh, The referee's report Which I am just about to quote from uh, The referee's report Has been made public About why He has uh, Issued disciplinary action And why the FA Have uh, Ordered Sherwood Not not merely with a, a Touchline ban But with an actual Stadium ban And here it is I was walking down the tunnel Sherwood of Swindon Town approached me and said, You're the only fucker in the ground that's fucking seen it, you fucking mug. <laughs> he then started pointing aggressively in my face. I told him to calm down and stop pointing at me or he'd be sitting in the stands for the second half. He then continued, I wasn't even in the dugout, you fucking mug, and you'd be doing me a fiver. <laughs> I told him I wanted to speak to him in my dressing room But he ignored me and walked off towards the Swindon changing room I followed him and stood outside and told the coaching staff I wanted Sherwood to come outside as I needed to speak to him After approximately 45 seconds Sherwood walked out and walked past me And I informed him that he would re- be reported for his comments His reply was Fuck off you mug <laughs> I then entered my dressing room area and informed the stewards of my decision and that if Sherwood tried to come down at the technical area he should not be allowed you fucking mug <laughs> you fucking <laughs> mug he's so cockney at hearts it is brilliant you know you fat I love I love the fact you tried to mug him off <laughs> he fucking tried to mug <laughs> him off and Tim wouldn't have none of that you say he I mean, he voted for Brexit didn't he he voted for Brexit yeah <laughs> And uh, see when he was young, it was all pineal shops around that way, <laughs> and now it's all dark faces <laughs> round where he's from. He's yeah. the most cockney man in the whole world. It, he must own a taxi company. You'd hope. Literally, or, oh, sorry, sorry, a mini cab. Yeah. Firm. And a pony trap. Yeah, he's just so cockney. Actually, he talks a lot of pony trap. He, he, I remember he's his best one with my favourite one when he was doing commentary. They don't ask him to do commentary anymore. But his, his best one was number 10s, just number 9s that don't score goals. <laughs> and he sacked him. And he sacked him. And he sacked him. What were they thinking? Yeah, but, they... Uh, yeah so uh, uh, tactics, Tim, the most, the most cockney one in the world. But I'll give it to the Jesus comparer. Who is he? 
Did Jesus compare at the end? It was uh, Gerardo Solorio, Argentina's under-20 coach, who only wanted a square goal. Uh, Argentina's? Sorry. You're, Argentino. you're just... You're <laughs> obsessed now. Pedro Argentino, yeah. our new manager. OK, folks, that's uh, pretty much it. A couple of things, just the usual. You can get in touch with us. Uh, uh, go to Heart and Hand, the Rangers Facebook page. Uh, just search for us on Facebook, Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Ibrox Rocks, R-O-C-K-S, and Scott is... Scott Heart Hand. Um, we do try and uh, get back to as many people as, as possible. Um, provided you know you provided you know a fucking mag uh, yeah don't mug us off don't, yeah don't mug us off because or, or, you know would you talk to you if you had done that that's all I'm saying um, but you, you can follow us there next week is international break now having fucked it up for myself previously by usually we would get a week off but I had the last time this happened I did a pod where I was talking about the old days of Rangers now I would be willing to do one again next week However, again, it comes down to if you give me any questions. So, if you want to give us any questions, please go to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast page on Facebook and leave any questions and uh, send them in to me on Twitter using the hashtag HHPod. Okay? So, hashtag HHPod. Now, it's up to you if we get no questions not doing a pod in which case fantastic speak to you on two weeks after the next match uh, it's a week off for us I'm perfectly happy with that but I am a man in my word and I did say the last time that if people liked it and they seemed to like it then I would try and do these two or three times a year during the international break so it can be questions about anything time with the trust what's going on at Rangers um, the best food for staffies anything at all that I can help you with, then you know just just get in touch with us. And like I say, because I can't be asked just you know when they come in, noting them all down. Um, if you could use the hashtag to collate them, HHPod. Okay, so that's pretty much it from us this week. All that remains for me to do is to thank our executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Miles, to thank my guest, Mr. Scott Vanderacker. Thank you, and a shout out to Stuart Milne, but not that one. Uh, who recognised me from the pod and said, "Good work, lads. Loving your loving the pod." So there you go. I met a fan in the flesh. Oh, that's nice. It is nice. Yeah, oh, uh, that's nice. Generally, when they meet us, they aren't as polite or nice as that. So no. you know, but 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 we'll take that. We'll take yeah. that. Uh, my name's David Edgar. I've been your host, and I'll talk to you again this time next week. Cheers. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.